This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the newest edition in the Compliance Podcast Network. My latest podcast, Compliance and Coronavirus. As the voice of compliance, I wanted to start a podcast which will help bring both clarity and sanity to the field of compliance, the compliance practitioner, and indeed the compliance profession during this worldwide health and healthcare crisis. Taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events to the role of the board of directors to crisis management to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. We will post on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time for the foreseeable future as we navigate our way through this incredible crisis. First, a word about our sponsor, SAI Global. With the coronavirus and COVID-19 pandemic continuing to change rapidly, trust and integrity are paramount to business continuity preparedness. SAI Global is here to help compliance and risk professionals facing these challenges, including unprecedented business impacts from employee well-being to disrupted supply chains. SAI 360 is a cloud-first software and modern ethics and compliance learning platform designed to help you navigate risk from every perspective. To learn more about how you can protect your business operations and workforce during these uncertain times, visit saiglobal.com backslash risk for free resources, expert guidance, and industry-leading technology. Thanks again to SAI Global for sponsoring this most important podcast. Today, I have with me James Gellert. James is the CEO at Rapid Ratings, a firm that looks at financial history of third parties in the supply chain and why that is so critical now during this time of coronavirus and economic dislocation. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me James Kellert. James is the CEO of Rapid Ratings. And I've known James for a few years. He uh, and Rapid Ratings look at financial health of third parties. And frankly, I can't think of any company that uh, we need more right now. Um, than a company like Rapid Ratings. So uh, with hopefully that approved introduction, James, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. And I don't know how I could have asked for a better introduction. So so that was great. So you have been talking about, and I would even say preaching about, uh, uh, financial health of third parties and why that is a critical, if not the critical analysis that any compliance officer, business executive, supply chain professional, uh, procurement professional uh, needs to look at. And now we are in the midst of not only the uh, coronavirus health crisis, but one of the biggest economic dislocations, at least in our lifetime, Uh where do we go with financial health for third parties at this point? Well, yeah, I guess it's been a bit of a soapbox that that is uh, now quite large. And financial health for, for me has been a foundational issue that is not an adjacent risk area, uh, as many have frankly seen it for quite some time, alongside uh, a number of, uh, of other extremely important areas like traditional compliance uh, fraud issues, like uh, whether uh, products and goods are being delivered on time and high quality and uh, info, info security and environmental and sustainability issues. All of these are really important. 
But for quite some time, because the uh, the credit and the financial environment has been so stable and booming for now many years, financial risk has been just another one for people to check. And what uh, what the rapid ratings clients have have understood really quite well is that it isn't an adjacency; it's a foundational risk. And understanding the financial health of a company is the very uh, essence of understanding how well it can perform and continue to invest in the best practices for all of these other areas. The, the, the flip side of that is that a company that is weak from a financial perspective has problems that can or will uh, immediately or will over time emerge in all of those other areas. So financial risk is a leading indicator of these other problems. So you move that into an environment like we have right now, and companies, hundreds of thousands uh, or more companies around the world are literally fighting for their lives, and their foundations are rocked. So how well they can withstand this shock is critical to everyone's understanding how well they can work with these companies, whether they want to stop working with them or work with them even more closely to help them get through. But it is incumbent upon every risk manager of every kind to understand the risks of these companies, and financial is the most important of them. James, before our podcast started, we we were in the green room talking about why this crisis is really different than any of the others, certainly, as I said, in our lifetimes. And one of the things that's always intrigued me is your focus on the capital markets, but also the secondary markets where, I don't want to say easy credit, but a lot of credit was available. And while most People my age think of the financial markets as either a financial institution or perhaps uh, raising capital through a stock offering. Um, that is not uh, nearly the breadth and scope of what, what was available till a very few months ago. So I was wondering if you might explain why there's been this explosion in debt and how that has impacted financial health of third parties. Sure. So th- this market is really quite different because the expansive uh, – assistance that the financial markets have gained post the global financial crisis in 2008 has created both an artificially low interest rate environment and the uh, the global financial crisis really wiped out a number of banks that were making secondary markets and there were active participants in the trading of securities so what you have today is a lot is a significantly greater actually double the outstanding fixed income uh, issuance that we had going into the financial crisis in 2007 and 8, but you have fewer market makers. So you've got a more tenuous underlying market that really hasn't been tested. And you've got many more alternative credit providers, alternative to the institutional investors in the bond market and uh, equity investors and uh, traditional banks. So you've got more people lending uh, credit or providing credit to more kinds of companies, and uh, you've got fewer people making markets to create secondary liquidity. Now, the the true underlying problem is that interest rates have been low now for so long that uh, institutional investors have gone down further and further in the credit quality spectrum to invest in weaker and weaker companies. And a lot of those are smaller private businesses. So companies of all sizes, all kinds, and all quality uh, types have been able to access capital, and that has fueled their growth for many years. 
and people who are taking companies that are taking supply chain risk and third party risk of those businesses you know there are uh, there are a lot of time bombs in there that they haven't had to worry about for quite some time but with this sort of disruption that we're seeing now that's going to come uh, those roosters are going to come home james if we uh acknowledging the the point of time we're in what are some of the things that you you and rapid ratings are suggesting that your clients do uh looking forward whether that time horizon be two week four weeks six weeks six months out how are you uh advising clients or perhaps what questions are you and your team getting about what companies should do now i think the the questions come in sort of two parts, what to do right now and what to do for the foreseeable future. And it's, it goes without saying, I suppose, that uh, it's first and foremost important to understand the most critical third parties and suppliers that people are working with today. And then going forward, it's understanding which companies they can work with and rely on for a longer period of time. The companies that people are relying on today and have had in their supply chains or their third-party groups, some are going to fail and not survive this crisis. Some are going to survive for some period of time, and that period of time will look like they've gotten through the crisis, but they will be so destabilized by the crisis they won't survive long-term. Then there will be the companies that survive and are long-term the, the, the best partners to be working with. So understanding who's who and understanding criticality and making sure that internal resources are focused uh, in the places where they can be most effective, that's extremely important. And that's about being able to uh, identify and have the right clean, clean data to look at and, and, uh, and go out and have us get the financials on those private companies, if they're private and or look at the public companies understand the risks that they face short-term and long-term, and then make the right bets on which of those businesses to be working with. But then instituting uh, the ongoing process of monitoring those businesses uh, for changes as they evolve. That's a combination of looking at the new suppliers people may be wanting to work with, as well as the continuous monitoring of the ones that they've worked with for, for some time. James, on the Rapid Ratings website, you have a, a COVID-19 resource center, and as part of that, you have a stress test. Does the Rapid Ratings solution or uh, part of the services allow a stress test of at this point in time for uh, companies, third parties? So the way we handle stress testing is uh, working with clients on individual companies to be able to stress them if they are important suppliers to them. Uh, the financial health rating itself is a forward-looking measure uh, designed to give a one-year perspective on a company's strength. And we also provide uh, what we call the core health score, which looks out two to three years. So the the uh, ratings themselves are designed to be uh, forward-looking and they're used as predictive analytics. What we've done on the stress testing front is to both hit uh, all of our coverage with a material revenue decline for the year, and then also uh, look at the macro uh, effects of uh, GDP, unemployment, industrial production, and so forth, to be able to see how these companies are likely to fare stressed both at the um, the idiosyncratic level, meaning the company level and the systemic level, the macroeconomic level. And, uh, and we we're publishing 
uh, our research on uh, with white papers and blogs on what that stress testing result looks like. And we're, we're, we'll be doing it. We've just put that out. It's in the resource center, as you say. And we're in the process of a second stress test, which will be, uh, be even more refined. As more data comes out and as we understand more of what's happening from COVID, we'll be able to, uh, to create even greater refinements on that kind of stress testing. James, one of the things that I've been reading about, and I'm trying to kind of catch up on my supply chain, reading uh, in addition to my uh, anti-corruption compliance reading, is that companies may need to reconsider the number of key supply chain partners they have. They may actually need to expand that where myself and others were taught that you should try to reduce that number down to have uh, as efficient a supply chain as possible. Does the financial health rating, would that help a company if they wanted to really expand the number of supply chain partners um, so that they, uh, if there were failures with primary suppliers, they could go to secondary suppliers on a short-term notice? Yeah, absolutely. And and you're right. That is certainly a trend that we will see more diversification and less sole sourced supply chain. And that, that's for two reasons. The As companies in supply chain has evolved over the years, there's been more emphasis on uh, lean manufacturing, lean inventories. And the problem with just-in-time or lean inventories is that companies can't survive very long with a shutdown. And we've seen in, uh, in our data that, uh, for instance, 30% of uh, companies in the United States, private companies in the United States, don't have more than uh, two months worth of, uh, I'm sorry, two weeks worth of uh, inventory. So after a shutdown, two weeks, they can't continue to ship or produce or serve their clients. So this is, you know, th- this is critical stuff. And um, that is one of the results that will come out of this is that people are going to push for greater inventory levels from their key suppliers, but they will also diversify and have more individual suppliers. While they're doing that, they need to make sure that the, uh, the secondary bets that they're making, their hedges, have the same kind of capacity that they need to get through a, a crisis themselves. So the financial health rating is uh, absolutely being used now for that and will be used for that even more. James, the coronavirus health crisis part of this has changed the way uh, we work. And uh, you and I are doing this podcast remotely. Uh, Many people are working remotely. Rapid Ratings is working remotely. Um, How does the financial health of a third party overlaid now with the coronavirus health crisis lead to issues that uh, had not perhaps been raised before? And I'm specifically thinking about InfoSec and how a financial health may or may not allow a company to ramp up its IT security for a completely different working environment. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of adjustments that need to be made. And I think from from our perspective, the the advantage of the FHR is that it takes into account so many different elements of a company. Uh, In the process of calculating an FHR, we absorb financial statements. And those financial statements look at 73 different perspectives of a company. Uh, those 73 ratios are looking at the efficiencies inside of a company and how well it's run, how well it's able to uh, create uh, profitability and revenue based on its asset size and its equity and so forth. So there's a lot of a lot of complex um, aspects to it. But at the end of the day, whether a company is working more remotely going forward and having a different InfoSec environment or they're working uh, in a concentrated location, they still have the fundamental 
core needs of a business to generate profits. And you can go back uh, decades and decades, hundreds of years, and you can go forward hundreds of years. And corporations' core responsibility is still going to be to generate returns on what it does. So from that perspective, the FHR is valuable and will continue to be valuable irrespective of business uh, model changes and cost structure changes that will have to happen as a result of COVID. You point out a really good one. Everyone's working remotely now. Not everyone's going to go back to having the same uh, office space. That, in fact, is going to reduce cost structures and create greater efficiencies for companies. At the same time, they may have, uh, they may be able to do more with fewer assets. They may have, uh, they may have to carry less. Uh, less cost structure uh, for real estate uh, than before, and their leasing will look different. And there will be lots of these changes, but at the end of the day, they still need to do the same thing with whatever the assets are, whatever the liabilities that they carry, they've got to be able to generate returns or be on a path to do so. That's the common denominator that cuts through time and cuts through business cycles and and, uh, crises of all kinds. James, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if uh, our listeners wanted any more information on Rapid Ratings or the COVID resource site. Where could they go? So uh, rapidratings.com is our website, and the COVID Resource Center and, and the blog uh, blogs about COVID are all very easily navigated to from that, uh, from that uh, homepage. And uh, certainly we welcome any questions that can come in and uh, you can get a demo or uh, ask any questions right there through the site. Well, James, when I started this podcast, I was under the mistaken impression that sort of uh, end of April, well, we'll just turn the switch on and we'll all go back to normal. Uh, I don't think that's the case. I think this podcast is going to follow this crisis for a lot longer. So uh, I'm sure I'm going to ask you to come back and visit with me again. Uh, I'd be very happy to, Tom. Always appreciate it and always enjoy talking to you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like explored on this podcast, please shoot me an email at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, as a call to action, I would ask if you could to please tell one of your friends about the podcast so we can spread the word out about the newest podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. Also, if you would leave us a rating on iTunes, or a review, it would greatly help get this the word out about this most important podcast over the next several months. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me for our next episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This podcast is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.